Welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. Each day we'll look at a text from the weekly readings from the Westgate Church Bulletin. We will look at background material and also application of the text. So once again, welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. Our reading today comes from John chapter 4, verses 27 through 38. We've been going through John chapter 4 in this episode of the Samaritan woman. Jesus meets the Samaritan woman at a well. There's all kinds of symbolism of people meeting at wells. Typically, that is connected to the idea of someone finding a wife at a well. Just think back to the Old Testament patriarchs. And Jesus meets this woman, and there's all kinds of stuff going on here. Jesus is breaking down all kinds of barriers as he talks to her, her being a Samaritan, her being a woman, her also having a kind of checkered past uh, when it comes to morality, she's been married five times. She's living with a man now that's not her husband. And here's Jesus talking to her in the middle of the day. And they're having a conversation. He explains to her about this living water that he has to give. And he uh, talks to her about true worship, what that looks like. That There's this debate in the time of Jesus between the Samaritans and the Jews about sacred space. The Jews say the sacred space is in Jerusalem at the temple. The Samaritans say it's at Mount Gerizim. And Jesus says, listen, there's a time coming when I will go to the cross. I will be buried. I will be resurrected. What he calls his hour. Uh, And he ascends back to the Father. The Holy Spirit will come into the world. And now uh, sacred space will be all over the planet. We as the followers of Jesus Christ will be temples of the Holy Spirit. And we can worship God through the Spirit and in truth, in the truth of Jesus Christ anywhere uh, on the planet. So he uh, blows up this idea of sacred space. And then they get into um, this conversation once again about the identity of Jesus Christ. And he just reveals to her, hey, I am the Messiah. I am the one you're waiting for. And so now she is just excited. And so we're going to pick up where you have this conversion. Now, this is interesting because in the story of Nicodemus, in the last chapter, Nicodemus, who is the religious insider, who had all the connections, knew all the Bible stuff, he doesn't get it. Here's this woman who is the ultimate outsider, the Samaritan, the woman, moral past that's a little bit sketchy. She gets it. She understands it. So now we pick up, the disciples have gone to town to get some food, Now they return and they see Jesus talking to this woman and they're going to have some questions in their mind. So this is once again, John 4, 27 through verse 38. Just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her jar of water and went away into the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say there are yet four months? Then comes the harvest. Look, I tell you, lift your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap for that which you did not labor. Others have labored, 
and you have entered into their labor. So when you go back, the disciples come back and, and they're asking legitimate questions in their mind. Okay, why is he talking to this woman? This would be considered unacceptable in that time and, and culture. So why is he talking to her? And notice that the woman leaves the water jar behind. Now, John, I think, is wanting you to see something, that she understands this living water of Jesus is much more important than this water from the well of Jacob. Maybe there's this idea that Jesus is superior to Jacob, too, that's going on here. This is Jacob's well. This is his water. But she's more about uh, the living water that Jesus wants to give. She gets it. She understands it. Now you're going to see the disciples don't get it. Uh, Once again, in John's gospel, he's going to do it like he's done it before. Jesus is going to teach something and people are not going to understand it. They're going to be talking on two completely different levels, just like Nicodemus and just like this lady earlier when it came to the living water. So Jesus has this exchange where his disciples come back and, you know, they're, they're being kind. Lord, you need to eat. Please eat something. And Jesus says, I have food that you don't know about. And so they start thinking among themselves, okay, does Jesus have some hidden food somewhere that we don't know about? Then he explains to him that his real food is to do the will of the Father. This is very important for us to understand. There are things that are much more important than our desires, like putting food in our stomach. Now, I'm not saying people shouldn't eat. I believe being healthy and eating, that's a good thing. We don't need to starve ourselves. Uh, But there are things that supersede these physical desires that we have. That's why a lot of people fast as a spiritual discipline. It's a way to, uh, as the ancients would say, or the medievals would say, uh, to mortify the flesh. Anyway, you learn that I'm not driven by my bodily desires, but I'm driven by something higher, by something spiritual. And so Jesus is saying, look, there's something more important than eating right now. You know, I can eat later, but I'm, I'm here to do the will of the Father. I'm teaching right now this lady and these Samaritans, and that really is more important than eating food at this moment. That supersedes what my stomach is saying right now. And it's interesting, this woman is the model for us. She's a lot like Philip. Remember Philip earlier went to Nathaniel and said, please come and see, come and see. And I think we make evangelism so difficult. We feel like, you know, if I'm going to share my faith, I've got to, you know, have a doctoral dissertation in the New Testament or you know, I've got to go through a bunch of classes to, to learn how to share my faith. And there's nothing wrong with any of those things. Uh, I believe training and reading and preparing is, is a good idea. But this idea of simply inviting people to come and see, I, I'm perplexed by Christians many times that they, you know, don't invite people to church. Uh, church is a great place to, to start this process with people, because if you come to an assembly You're going to hear the gospel proclaimed from the pulpit. And the Bible does tell us, I don't know if we believe this or not sometimes, but the gospel brings with it power. There's something supernatural in the proclamation of God's word. And if you go to a church where the Lord's Supper is central, they're going to hear the gospel at the Lord's Supper table. They're going to be presented with the gospel through songs, through sermons, through sacraments. When I mean sacraments, it'd be the Lord's Supper and baptism. They're seeing the gospel being reenacted right in front of them. So why would we not do that? Why would we not be like this woman and go to others that are friends and colleagues that we know do not have a church family and invite them and say, please come and see. Come and see. Come with me and see what this is all about, Jesus Christ. This woman gets it and an entire town comes to meet Jesus. 
she says something interesting. She says, come meet a man who's told me everything about me. You know, probably what that means is her whole life had been defined by her relationships and failed marriages. So Jesus puts his finger on the problem with her. And so in her mind, this is everything about her. This is what defines her are these failed relationships. And so Jesus tells his disciples, listen, hey, other people have labored. There's this idiom now. This idiom has been lost. We're not for sure if this was an idiom that's being used. Some think so, uh, that there's four months until harvest. And that makes sense because in the ancient world, especially in Palestine and in Egypt, when you planted the, the grain harvest, it took about four months for it to be reaped, for it to come to fruition. So you've got this four-month gap between the planting and the actual coming up uh, to the fullness of the crop, to reap um, the benefits of your work. And so Jesus here is using the metaphor of spreading God's word, bringing new believers about. Uh, There's all kinds of agricultural concepts through scripture, and I think this is really important for us to understand too, that the idea of evangelism, sometimes we're not going to see the benefit you may just prime the pump. You may just start the process and down the road, someone else will water the work that you've done and people will come to faith in Jesus Christ. Even Paul talks about that in 1 Corinthians 3. So just think, even if you've tried to share your faith with people and it was an ultimate failure or you invested your time and life into someone and they really let you down, you, you brought them to church, you helped them, you did benevolence and, and it just kind of fell apart. Don't lose heart. Maybe you planted something that's going to come to fruition later. Jesus tells us this here. Now, we don't know who it was that had kind of primed the pump for the Samaritans. This could be John the Baptist. It could be Jesus. But what we find fascinating is this. In Acts chapter 8, some of these same guys, these disciples standing there, they will reap the harvest of the Samaritans. Uh, They will take the gospel to Samaria. So the, the pump is being primed here for the Samaritans. And then later we're going to see in in Acts 8 a conversion of many of the Samaritans to Jesus Christ uh, after the beginning of the church. So we see the words of Jesus really coming true. So today, just some things I want us to think about. First of all, this idea of understanding what's most important, not to be driven and dominated by our fleshly desires, that there is something higher and there's something better and it's what God wants for our life. That's what really matters. Then the second thing I want us to notice is evangelism is not that difficult. And we cannot lose heart when we share the gospel with people if it's rejected or we feel like there's, you know, this this accomplished nothing. You may have planted a seed. Someone else will come along maybe years later. I, I, I know stories. I could give examples. I don't want to name names on the podcast, but I know people where this has happened. Someone has shared their faith with them. It went years dormant. Someone else came along and the time was just better. They were more receptive and those people came to Jesus Christ. It happens all the time. I want to encourage you to invite people to your church. Wherever you go to church, invite people to come with you. Come and see. Hear the gospel proclaimed. See the sacraments of the supper and baptism celebrated. See the gospel reenacted right there in front of your eyes. Well, I've gone long today. Uh, I, I hate that, but... This is just such a a wonderful passage. Well, I really don't hate that. Uh, That's really the wrong thing to say, but I have gone over a little bit. But I hope this has encouraged you. I hope you love this gospel like I love it. It's been such a blessing to me as I'm studying along with you. Uh, I hope that you have a wonderful weekend. 
and hope to see you back again next week.